0: Welcome to Exploring the Enneagram with Dr. E, featuring your host, Dr. Deborah Egerton. In this program, we take a look at how you could begin to see how you show up in the world by looking at your Enneagram personality type, improving your relationships, and so much more. Now,
1: here is Dr. Deborah Egerton. Welcome back, everyone. So happy to have you with us today, Exploring the Enneagram with me, Dr. E. We'll be picking up where we left off last week. Our guest is still Russ Hudson. And last week we centered on the heart types, 2, 3, and 4. This week we'll be looking at the rest of the nine types going through the head center and into the body center. So we will actually get through types 5 through 9 this week. I really hope you get a chance to listen to this. This is priceless. So, Russ... Thank you for being with us again today, and we will start with the head center, and we're going to start talking about type five. How about yeah. this head center? Yes, so starting with five. Would you know anything about that?
0: No, I don't know anything about these fives, let's skip it. Right? <laughs> no, that's, that's my primary enneagram point. Uh, and five is, uh, we're now talking about the head center, and it's about the capacity to know it's about the capacity to understand and not just like the way that we usually do. And I'll talk about that in a moment, but how we come to intuitive, direct realization of what's really important. We, we understand things. We have that aha. Oh my gosh. I get it. Wow. That that sense of discovering something you didn't know before, realising something it's not it's categorically not just regurgitating some old opinion that you already had. It's it's realizing in the moment something you didn't know before. And always there's the sense when we do that, that it's sort of penetrating past the appearance of things and seeing what life is on a deeper level, seeing what reality is on a deeper level. So really all discovery that's happened is based in that. All kind of the great realizations around philosophy and religion, too, based in that. And it doesn't always have to be about some huge cosmic issue. It can just be you realize what's going on in your marriage. Oh, I thought this was going on, but it's actually this. you finding out what's going on in, in your child. Finding out why something's not working at work. Uh, you it's that you relax, you have all the data, you've thought about it, you relax, you get quiet, and something in you puts it together and has an answer that's beyond your clunky mind trying to work it all out, right? Like the smart people know to get away from what they're obsessively trying to figure out, and then the realization, the inspiration comes to you. That's really what the five... The, other, the only other thing I'd say is five is also about when we're really connected with our mind, our true mind, our deeper mind, which is beyond our inner chatterbox. You have to go behind the inner chatterbox. is a great, beautiful stillness and an inner quiet, the peace that passeth all understanding, right? is this beautiful, quiet place of spirit. And spirit in the mind appears as this peaceful, clear, crisp stillness, and it's immaculately uncrowded. There's nobody there bugging us. We're just there in in this solitude, which is very close to the intimacy that we saw in four. Intimacy leads us to solitude. Solitude leads us to intimacy. When two connect for real, there's only one here. And that's that triadic thing again,
1: right? Absolutely.
0: Or if I, if I talk about it with religious folks, I said, "Well, if you actually came to a moment of union with God, which do you, which will be left? Do you think you or God?" Wow. You see, is is wow. a sense of when we're really and yes. we get a taste of that when we really just understand when we're absorbed in what we're trying to understand, and suddenly when that knowing comes, that moment, where are you? What are you? Are you there in the way you usually think? It's not the way we usually have it arranged. And yet, we love those moments because they always do wonderful things for us. Even when we find out stuff that, at first blush, maybe isn't so good. Maybe I realize, oh shoot, my marriage is on the rocks. Well, it ain't going to get any better until I realize that. Life can't move on until I realize that. So It's
1: it's sort of like surfacing, allowing things to surface and then connecting them. Yes. Uh, And and it's curious. uh, I'm curious about this because I know many fives feel a need to detach and to get away uh, in order to uh, actually have that quiet mind. But the way that you're describing it, it actually can happen in a crowd.
0: Yes, that's absolutely right. Because... On the personality level, we think that that solitude is necessary for the knowing, and the, and the solitude requires me not being near anybody. So we think it's physical. We think right. that we got to get away from people so we can hear ourselves think, so to speak, and just get a kind of space. But the space we're looking for is already there whether people are there or not. It's intrinsically part of our consciousness. But when we're caught up in the personality and our minds chattering, chattering away, we we don't have that sense. and then knowing becomes trying to memorize everything, trying to remember stuff. Now, human beings need to remember stuff that's it's not wrong or bad. It just doesn't go all the way to the knowing that the five is seeking, right.
1: Well, I think that's such valuable information for the five because um, in talking to, working with, coaching fives, I constantly hear about how they have the need for solitude. Yes. You know, I have to get away from everyone in order to process anything. And it's also one of those sort of misconceptions that I'd like to clear up. Um, the, the, the clear mind... The, the actual bringing the mind to that place of the peace that surpasses all understanding can happen anywhere if you're present yes if you're able to to achieve and hold you know some strong element of presence. you can get there you can yeah. get there
0: yeah, now, and, and that is in, that is where we can make a, a fine distinction because on one hand, some people are introverts. And it, and they really do need some alone time to recharge their battery. And that's a real thing. Also, if you're really trying to go for some profound understanding or creative gesture, are the big challenge to that is distractions. So there can be something to be said for clearing the, your plate of distractions, but that's different than this reflex. Emotional reflex of just, I gotta get away, I gotta get away, I gotta get away. That's, that's a different thing than consciously choosing, I'm gonna set aside a little time tomorrow to work on my project and make sure I don't get distracted while I'm doing it. That's a very sensible thing. But that's different than uh, where I'm stuck in this circuit that I'm always, you know, moving away from people.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And,
0: and, it, and it's a, it's a challenge, you know, for fives to really get, I, I thought I'd overcome it completely, but then again, I, I live alone. <laughs> so suddenly I'm, I'm in a house with other people for a few days. I start to realize I am not as over this as much as I thought.
1: Right. The Christmas I have to holidays. I work on it right now. <laughs> right. Chris, Chris, Christmas holidays will always bring that back up for you.
0: Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs>
1: So, Russ, we just talked about type five and we're now uh, looking at six. What can you give us?
0: Well, point six is another type constellated around the mind. And it doesn't mean, this doesn't mean, you know, the five, six, and sevens are smarter or the twos, threes, and fours have more love. It doesn't mean that. It means that the personality is constellated around issues relating to that that capacity to that center. So sixes um, also are about knowing as are the fives but sixes are about knowing what to do how to operate uh, how to function. So it's, there if you actually could see the Enneagram symbol there are all these kind of inner lines that look kind of strange but they're not there to look strange they're to show inner connections between these capacities. So there's a line between three And if you remember, three was about functioning from the heart. That's connected to six. Because six is about how we find what's needed in a bigger picture. It's a kind of inner guidance about how to operate in the world. It's a knowing. It's an intuitive knowing. But it's different than the intuitive knowing of the five. The intuitive knowing of the five is some realization of truth, of reality, something you didn't see that now you see. The six is about specifically what to do. Move forward, go back, stop. Shall I speak about this with my daughter now or shall I wait till a better time? Uh, is is Which of these careers makes more sense for me? Uh, it's about that part of us is trying to make decisions to make our life work. And by extension, to help others have their life work. Uh, but the, another great thing here in the sixes, the gift is that sixes have a beautiful quality of devotion because of that orientation. It, 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 six intuitively knows my life is meaningful, you know, what the three is looking for in what I give myself to, what I make myself part of, how, what I contribute to is a good word. And so sixes are always looking to what they can contribute, what they can uh, plug into, what they can make work. Uh, Sixes understand that, you know, on our own we can do certain things, but if we're going to have a bigger impact, it's going to probably involve how we work with others. Uh, not always in a company, not always uh, in, in obvious ways, but we understand we're building on the work of others and that others are going to build on our work and we're part of something. And in being part of something, our life has a more lasting impact.
1: You know, um, I, I've actually seen that um, in so many different ways. I see it in the family structure when uh, you have a sixth and there's that can be so responsible and so loyal and dedicated to um, maintaining the traditions of the family. I see it in the workplace where where there's a team member who is a six who is actually going to um, just, you know, I call it last man standing, going to be there until it is completed, going to contribute. And we'll ask a million questions in the process of trying to make sure that what is being built is being built correctly. Um, and I just love that sense of of loyalty um, being there for not just self, but for others. Yes. And, you know, it's like the six is the person that will allow you to stand on their shoulders. Yes. And uh, that's sort of the visual that I get.
0: <laughs> yeah, sixes are, you know, they, they like kudos and they like you know being recognized for their good work but they're not into they're not seeking glamour they're seeking to make sure that things work and that they achieve the things that they're trying to do and that others do as well I think that um, one thing that you touch on here is that sixes don't skip over the details they're they they're paying attention so one of the other great gifts here is attentiveness being sharp awake with it attentive and so that there's a sort of watchful quality they feel like the caretakers of the things in their life certainly their family and their work and things like that like i have to be on watch and of course then the problem is as we lose presence we're doubting that anybody else is on watch so it goes from vigilance to hyper vigilance and now we're kind of little anxious and freaked out and checking uh, did i make any mistakes did they make any mistakes are we going to go out of business is the family going to fall apart is my wife going to divorce me and and then our mind is filled with all these sort of negative possibilities because we're trying to think of everything that could go wrong so that we can make sure it doesn't go wrong we end up scaring ourselves in the process when we're present it's, it's more just that Seeing to the details.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I do see when the, the anger and the irritation begins to rise, and that seems to happen when um, the hypervigilance kicks in. Uh, I, I have a story that I sometimes tell when I'm training about the the six with four siblings and mom gets sick, and the six is the one who has actually planned out where people need to be in order to take care of mom but in that plan is a backup plan for if and when the other siblings flake out you know yes. <laughs> and so <laughs> that's what I exactly. said that last person standing because six has thought it through in a way where they have even factored in the fact that their two sister, their three brother and their nine sister are not going to see it through to the end uh, you know they're going to have a Plan in place for how they might be able to, to handle it all themselves. Uh, and it's pretty fascinating to watch, you know, sort of the, the plan under the plan for when the plan doesn't work.
0: Yes, the, 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 exactly. They're, they're thinking ahead. Right. Covering the bases, uh, making sure things get handled. And the more I'm in the sixth thing, the more I'm worried or doubting that other people will do what they're supposed to do. Right. So I better make sure. In that way, a little bit like a one, but it, it's a different kind of emotional energy to it. There's more anxiety here in the six. The, the uh, thing, too, of, as um, you're saying, the backup plans is the sixes are trying to anticipate problems potential breakdowns so but in the process of thinking about that stuff that's what their head gets filled with so they start even though their life might be pretty good by other people's standards they're a nervous wreck they feel they feel queasy they feel unsure of themselves they feel testy and, and reactive because in their mind they're thinking about th- their nervous system doesn't know that these things aren't really happening Absolutely. So it seems like their life is in crisis when, in fact, it, it might be okay. Um, but but just the, the turn of their attention is toward the potential problems. That's why sixes make great engineers and lawyers and people who do that kind of stuff because they look at the details and they try to make sure that, you know, if we send a spaceship up into space, what if a part breaks, we can't go to the filling station. So we got to think about that. Well, what, what you know, it's like that.
1: It's exactly, it's, uh, uh, they also make great friends for people who don't pay attention to details. Yes. <laughs> I actually have a, a lovely six friend who, um, when we go on cruises, she packs for herself and she packs for me as well. Ah. Uh, so it's all the things that she thinks Deborah is not going to remember to bring.
0: <laughs> yes. So it, they it, plan, sixes plan. And, right, right. and uh, they, they like doing that. They don't mind doing it. It's, it's part of what they want, something they can contribute. Right. And, and the other thing you, you touch on is sixes are funny. That, yes. because they kind of know when they're getting anxious and that they're being a bit ridiculous. They know, and they're the first to make fun of themselves.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And it's a beautiful thing when they actually relax enough to yeah. what I call hold it lightly and to yes. not move into full-blown anxiety, uh, but to recognize this is what I do and it's not that big a deal. You know, there's a, a, a softening there that's beautiful. Yes. See. So that's our six friends. What about our seven friends?
0: Our seven friends. Well, sevens are, um, they hold a very interesting piece, and it's a, a lovely piece, and I think people like it, but the, the little danger here is people can tend to be trite about point seven, and I don't think there's anything trite about the lessons here or the quality of, of the people who have this as their dominant pattern. Um, the gift here is, there's several things I could say, it's also about the mind, but here it's spaciousness, open-endedness, being open-minded, curious, open, just, and a sense of openness, that open to experience, open to possibilities, open to, oh, I haven't tried that food before, I wonder if it will taste good. You know, that kind of open-ended approach to life and to self is really necessary for a spiritual journey, or else we lock ourselves up in all kinds of old ideas. Sevens are not interested in locking themselves up. In fact, the other big quality here of that openness is it's what I call inner freedom. Right. So the sevens are by finding and living out of an inner freedom where we're not so bound up by our history. Or, or, controlled by our suffering. The, so all that is pretty gorgeous and, and pretty wonderful. And, and sevens, when they're really in touch with their gift, they want other people to be free and happy and have an awesome life and have a life of possibilities. Um, they don't see any good reason why other people should be trapped in some kind of miserable situation so healthy sevens are there on the front lines of helping people who are in trouble so I used to, I used to call them light bringers that you know when people are mm-hmm. losing hope they're gonna come in and say no it is not over and we're gonna deal with this and so there's just a really lovely uh, qualities and capacities there the downside is when we lose presence well I'll, I'll put it in another way when we are present we know that that inner light and that inner freedom is more powerful than any obstacle. And we have a confidence in that. We kind of know that whatever happens, in some sense, on a soul level, we're going to be okay. Right. Right? And that can carry us through really difficult times. And if we didn't have that, just think, we just have been wiped out by some of the difficult times. We might think we got wiped out, but hey, we're still here, so we weren't. Some, something in this new, this seven in ourselves. So, but when sevens don't have that presence, they're not in touch with the gift, they, they don't trust that their happy, inner happiness and freedom is strong enough against these obstacles. And so they're afraid of negativity. They're afraid of their own dark feelings. They're, they don't want to hear about certain things. They're afraid of mostly being trapped and losing their freedom. Correct. Now that, I don't want to imply by that that they are lightweights or that they're not aware that they're suffering or anything like that. They're well aware that they're suffering. But if this is a great way you can sort of see how there's a, a sensibility in these patterns. Let's say you're a child and you're in a really bad situation, bad environment, bad things happening in the family, and we know how difficult those situations can be for people. There's different reactions we might have. We might fight it. We might disappear ourselves. We might feel like a victim. The seven answer is, I'm getting the hell out of here, and I ain't looking back.
1: I've seen that. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, and sevens just say, you know what? Been there, done that. That stunk, and I am not going to expose myself to more of that nonsense. I'm going down that highway, and somewhere out there, there's something awesome, and I'm going to find it. It's like the, the song from, uh, from West Side Story, something's coming. Something's, something's coming, good. yes. <laughs> right? yeah, it's, and that's a seven attitude. It doesn't mean I don't understand that there are problems and difficulties in the world, but there's a way I'm going to keep trying to move toward what feels hopeful and positive and, and bringing more freedom.
1: You know, and it's and interesting. And so I
0: can get so hung up on that pattern that I'm actually in flight of things in myself, and then it's not freedom anymore.
1: Right, Then it's it's running away. It's right. interesting because uh, I often say that sometimes sevens get a bad rap, yes. um, particularly in the family situation, um, even in the work situation, because the seven seems to have that radar for when things are going to go badly. And they don't want to get caught in that. It, it's like the, the family dinner, the seven knows to get the heck out of there before anything hits the fan um, because yeah. they don't want to have that be their last image of the family dinner. You know, so they'll right. leave early. Or um, I've actually known many sevens who will, will say, you know, they don't do hospitals, they don't do funerals. Yeah. And, um, I explain to people often that, you know, with, with a seven to be imprinted with a negative image that they really don't want to hold on to, it's something that maybe we ought not to judge that, you know, yeah. people sometimes know what they can and cannot do. Um, and I, I share a little bit of that because, of course, I have a line to seven. I can remember when um, my mother died. Um, I did not want to view the body Mm -hmm. because I really did not want that to be my last image of my mom. Yes. And and, um, I've received some criticism from that from some people, but, you know, that was what I knew I needed to do. And I liken that to sevens, sometimes knowing what works and what does not work well. And in coaching sevens, it's helping them to know that they can stand in what might be painful situations and circumstances but they're not going to get trapped in that.
0: Yes, that's that's the key element. I think it's oversimplifying to say the sevens avoid pain. I mean, Apparently. I don't most people do. I mean, I don't know anybody says, "Yeah, give me more give me more emotional pain. That's what I need." No, people don't do that. But the issue with the seven is this: this terror, for, uh, not a pain, but being trapped in pain, trapped. not being able to get out of it, of not being able to move towards something positive. Right. And so, and so, five, six, and seven all have a lot of inner anxiety. It's kind of obvious in the six and pretty obvious in the five, less so in the seven because it tends to come out as a kind of uh, nervous enthusiasm. But it's but it's still this. This fear of like a claustrophobia that I'll get trapped. Um, but I think the growth edge for sevens and the seven in all of us is, as you said, realizing step by step, I can handle more than I thought. Right. I was afraid to go in there and see my friend who's dying of cancer. And actually, I went in there and it was beautiful and I held her hand. And I'm so glad I did. And I'm so glad. But you, because what, like the six, what's in our head. Is generally worse than the real thing.
1: Absolutely.
0: And Absolutely. so we scare ourselves, and we scare ourselves down the road. In this case, but I also said, as it, there's an amazing turn that happens in sevens. Happens in sevens when they start to not only can I handle this, not only can I have enough light in me to move through the difficult times, I can help other people do that.
1: Right, and that's why we see that uh, Sevens are often among the um, first responders in mm-hmm. disaster situations. You know, they're yeah. right there trying to help. Not only do they have the capacity to do the work, they have the energy and the desire to be there and to show up yeah. uh, and to, you know, to, to get, get their hands into it and to help people. And I love that about Seven.
0: Yeah, yeah, me too. And and uh, the other the big torture for sevens is that they often other people judge them as superficial. Yes. Because they they're they're quick with the story, quick with the joke. They keep the energy moving, and this is how they learn to survive. And the sevens are not shallow; they're not superficial. They have great depth. But when they're running their defensive mechanism, they're kind of tempting people to make that judgment of them. Absolutely. And and, and it's sort of like, you know, we become little beads of water skittering around on the skittle. You know, if we keep skittering around, maybe we won't evaporate. But uh, there's uh, there's just a journey there of learning that we can handle more than we think. And that the the light and freedom in us is more powerful than anything that we might have to face.
1: Right. And that is. We all
0: are in a journey of learning that.
1: Absolutely, that's true at all the points that, that right. uh, we can handle more than we think that we're capable of because of what we're connected to. So that's what makes it bigger and better and wonderful. Indeed. Alright, so you know, um, I am in a family of type 7891. <laughs> <laughs> So we're yeah, just a, You've covered yeah, that corner. Yeah, yeah. so we, we just took it over. We took it over, you know. Um, so as we move from seven, um, we're also making a transition into another center. So, we're
0: yeah, to eight. Right. That's right. We're moving from head back to belly. and back to belly. Type one, our first type, was part of the belly or body center, which has to do with. Body wisdom, body awareness, kinesthetic intelligence. Uh, you know, Malcolm Gladwell wrote the book Blink mm-hmm. about this kind of intelligence. Love it. Yes. Uh, and so eight, nine, one are all about that kind of knowing or that kind of intelligence. Two, three, and four about heart intelligence. Five, six, seven about cognitive intelligence. And the idea isn't to just become one of these. You want to learn about all the zones all the different parts because that is to have all three of these centers operate we don't want there's no advantage in being one center or one third of a person as i often have said so eight is um i sometimes start with eight uh to just start with the body first but eight is the energy of life force confidence empowerment Being able to take a stand, being able to speak your truth, the energy that enables all that, very important energy. And that energy is not something forced. It's not some, it's not about being, uh, hard. It, it, it has a receptivity and an intelligence to it when it's the real deal. Uh, and when we're really in that place of empowerment and, and confidence, we also inspire others. We help them remember that they have power within them too. When you're really in touch with this part, it's really clear that you don't own the power exactly, but it comes through you. And great leaders understand that. Great leaders totally understand that. Not so great leaders think they have the power. And I always, I've i said, and, and I think it's true that The more we're out of touch with this life force, empowerment, natural confidence, immediacy of attention and energy. The more we're out of touch with all that, the more we become a control freak. And we each will do our control freak thing in different ways. The eights have their way of doing it. But we're all controlling something. We're controlling the resources. We're controlling our diet. We're controlling access to us. We're controlling our emotions. And just egos are all control freaks to some degree. And the more we move away from presence, the more we're going to be some kind of a control freak. Right. right. But the when we have the real eight energy, we don't need to because we have the real thing. The other thing I'd say here is that, and this the eight connects to two internally on the Enneagram. Well, they all have two connections, but we don't want
1: we'll to get we'll too do confused that day. just yet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, for another day. But I, I say all real power is inseparable from love, and all real love is inseparable from power. They come as a package deal. Real love is so powerful, kicks our butt, right? You, you, everybody kind of knows when you fall in love – all bets are off. You don't know what can happen to your life. But love is powerful. It gets our attention. It shakes everything up. It brings forward the truth. And then by the same token, uh, real power, when you see somebody really imbued with self-confidence, power, that can speak truth, you can feel them coming from a place of love. And the Absolutely. two are really one thing. And when we're when we're not so present, they get split. And so power becomes control, and control is pretty antithetical to love. You want to kill a love relationship, try to control your partner.
1: Well, we know that that is true. That seems to be a universal truth. Uh, And it's interesting to watch um, eights move in the world, the way that that power... um, and, And I've actually seen sometimes a split between being more controlling in the workplace and, mm-hmm. you know, more love-filled at home. Yes. Or sometimes it can be the opposite. But uh, I often uh, will, will talk about how an eight with a very demanding job where they feel like that control is the only way to do the job and then comes home and they have small children and they're just, you see the heart of the eight. In that space, but they don't take that with them when they go into this workplace where they feel like they've got to put control on lockdown. So, yeah. can you talk about that a little bit?
0: Well, I think the other big thing that comes with the real life force power that I'm talking about is the sense of being alive. But the ego feels the aliveness as vulnerability. Correct. Because as right. soon as you're, you're in touch with your actual real aliveness, you're aware you can be hurt. Your emotions can be hurt. Your body can be hurt. We feel how fragile we are in, a, in another way. It's ironic and a paradox. The more we feel our empowerment, the more we also feel our fragility. In the, in the awareness of the power that comes from source, we feel our fragility as human beings. So, when we don't trust enough the situation to let ourselves be with that vulnerability. The armor comes on, the guard goes up, we gotta be in control, and that's that. And so that that real part gets hidden, gets lost. And that's really the dilemma for the eight. It's it's really you know, we always help people by helping them find what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And every eight I've ever known, when I start to talk about the real gift of eight, They know what that is, and that's what they want. That's what they want with their loved ones. That's what they want in their life. They want to be that person. And the more they learn, the pathway to it is by coming back to myself, feeling my body, not shutting down around the vulnerability, because the vulnerability isn't what we think it is. It's the experience of aliveness, and it's the gate back into our empowerment. A real empowerment. It, the vulnerability feels scary because the last time we had it, we were little kids. And if there were bad things going on, we thought, I don't want to be here in this. I don't want to get hurt anymore. And so we learned to put on armor. And that's not dumb. That's not a foolish choice. It's right. a, it's a pretty normal human thing to do. And if we were in a really tough family or tough neighborhood, we may have had to put on a lot of armor. Right. But the, but it isn't who we are. It's very important not to confuse the soul inside for the armor on the outside.
1: You know, the armor but, that serves us well for a time, yeah. but then it outlives its usefulness.
0: Right. And it, it isn't even, you know, who knows, maybe I, I will need it one day but I want to have the I want to know how to take it on and off right otherwise it's on all the time and you're trying to to enjoy your life or and, and feel love and connection with people and you got all this armor on it, it's a tough situation
1: right. and you can actually see it you know you can see the desire at point eight for that connection yes longing for the the, the the love to be able to take it in but the armor that is up just prevents that from happening. Yeah, uh, working with eights—that is such an important point to get to. Such mm-hmm. an important place to help the eight to be able to understand that you can take that armor off. That it's yes. safe to take it off, and that if you ever need it again, where they've stored it.
0: <laughs> yes. So, yeah, it, and and sometimes it, it comes it comes out in interesting and. Unexpected ways. One thing I see with eights a lot is that, you know, I'm probably not going to be the one as an eight to say mushy things to you. But if you were in trouble, if you had, you were down and out, I'm going to be the one there to sort of take care of you, help you support you through it, battle against idiots in your life. If I have to. Mm -hmm. And so my love comes out that way. Um, And, and so there's a eights kind of, often love the underdog they like to kind of take people or animals under their wing Uh, and if they get very very stuck then they might not even help those because then it's like every every man for himself and you get to the extreme end of it but more generally i think apes are looking for some way that they can express their power without losing the sense of love and connection
1: correct and I I know that it's very satisfying for um, AIDS to actually be able to be helpful. You know, yes. I've seen that sort of what I call the involuntary smile. Um, yes. When an aide will talk to me about something that they've done, you know, some, someone they were able to help. And there's just such a uh, sort of surge of, of energy and, and love that just comes to their face when they're talking about, you know, this little, this little guy, you know, they were all picking on him, but I, I, I got there right at the right time, you know. So I, I, I love the, the conversations when I can see that the aide is in touch with the moments when they can take off that armor and show their hearts and connect to the person and just love what they're
0: doing in that moment. I, th- I think a lot of that is also because apes have a kind of reflexive idea that somehow they are bad. Right. They're a badass. Mm hmm. And, I, I, you know, I think I'm okay, but I know a lot of people think I'm a pain in the ass. They, they, a lot of them have that view, that people see them that way. So when they realize that they've done something really loving and amazing, and other people get it too, it's like a little vacation from that casting myself always in the role of the troublemaker, the bad kid, whatever you, you want to, however you want to describe it.
1: Exactly. Well, we love our eights, but I guess we have to move on to point nine. What point nine.
0: Up? And the nines are all saying, well, you saved the best for last. Yes. Right?
1: <laughs> I, I decided to do it that way because I'm a point, at point one and my husband is at point nine. Mm-hmm. And so uh, out of uh, deep love in my heart for him, I wanted us to save the best for last. <laughs>
0: there you go. Well, nines are, hold a very special spot in the Enneagram from the point of view that if you were to actually look at the Enneagram diagram, the nine is in the very top, and it's the only one that's in the middle. The other ones are on one side or the other. But sitting right there on the top in the middle is point nine, which kind of suggests in the symbol there's something universal about the nine, and I think that's mm-hmm. true. Because the, you know, the nine, the gift is the ability to just be here. Mm-hmm to just kaplunk, to be present, to land in myself, to land in my experience, or as I like to say, and nine seem to like this way of putting it, to come home to myself, to return home to who I am right here, right now.
1: Like the old Melissa Manchester song, Home to Myself.
0: Yeah. Yes. You see, because we don't realize how much of our lives, we're wandering around God knows where in various thoughts, and memories, and fears, and fantasies, and we're, we're in emotional reactions. To come back into ourselves is to come back to our body in the here and now. And that brings that vulnerability, it brings that feeling of sacredness of the one, and it all comes together. We experience this human journey as something very different when we're present in our bodies in the here and now. So the nine is really about that, the ability to be, the ability to get present, the ability to be grounded and steady and stable. The nine is about finding that stable place within us where whatever might be going on, we have this inner solidity that we can calm on. <clears throat> it's interesting to me that, you know, mm-hmm. nine's have the reputation the enneagram of being kind of shy or quiet or just nice people but that's not really a very fair most of the nines i know are very accomplished people they they do and i can't think of any profession you wouldn't find nines in but because of that stability nines can do very challenging things there there're a lot of nines in emergency medicine there're nines who are firemen or do rescue work and they actually like that sense of bringing that steadiness to bear in situations where a lot of people would be freaking out. Um, they're also very creative. They're the, they're an introvert. They tend to be introverted, like the fives and the fours. But it there's they have a rich imagination and they're thinking about all kinds of things. They often think they're fours or fives for that reason and partially because I don't think the nine. Has, has always described injustice in a way that I think really shows the capacities of the type. Well, you know, that groundedness is based on being present and engaged in the moment, interested in what's here, connected with what's happening. When we get not present, we disconnect from everything. We start to feel separate, and that's everybody. And then we're sort of hiding out in our inner world. We become strangely ungrounded and kind of unavailable we're, other people they see us, we're there we showed up at the party, we showed up at the dinner and we're smiling and nodding but people can tell we're really not there in heart and soul we're, we're hanging out in our inner world and not really coming out to say hello
1: Right. I've I seen nines in um, meeting situations team situations where the body is in the seat and the lights are on the the eyes are open, but you know the shades are turned down. Yeah. You know they're just they're they're not present in that moment, and um, it's 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 interesting because they're one of the types where when the nine is not plugged in, you can see it pretty quickly. Yes. You can sense pleasant. It.
0: They're still pleasant. Still, not I'm still doing it. what I'm supposed to be doing, but you don't get me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I think that. Um, Again, if you look at it compassionately, you can see it's just another survival mechanism. Absolutely. Like uh, we learn to zone out around things that are too loud, too violent, too overwhelming. You know, and as children, we learn that. You hear mom and dad fighting and throwing things. You don't want to be open to that as a little kid, too sensitive. So we, we go inward. We we imagine things, we sing a song to ourselves, but we take ourselves out of the overwhelming situation by the way we use our mind and our imagination. And thank God kids can do that, right? It's, it's a true. good thing. But you don't want that running your whole life. And the problem is, as as we live that way for years sometimes, we forget how to get out of it, and then we're stuck. We're We're in that inner world, and we're afraid to come out. I used to say to the nights, you guys become like turtles. <laughs> because, you know, like the, the turtle gets here, goes in the shell and contracts in there. And then if, if other people are banging on the shell or shaking it, that's not going to help. It makes the mm-hmm. turtle go in even more. So the turtle has to kind of get that the coast is clear. And then the living part of me comes out and reconnects with the world. And it's, it's rather like that.
1: And it's such a beautiful thing when nines do come out and connect with the world because they have such a loving, calming presence. Um, That's right. You know, it's just uh, the person that you most want to approach is the nine because you feel like you're going to be received with love. And um, understanding that, you know, periodically that, that going back into the shell is sort of a strategy that a nine uses in order to be able to come back and be that loving, approachable human being.
0: Yeah, well, it's like the five. It's like nines often have a good chunk mm-hmm. of introversion, and that's a good thing. And and that just means I know i got to get away from all these people and recharge my battery, and that's, that's totally legit. But you want to m- notice the difference between that and the reflex to just... Match, have right. sent myself in any kind of situation and it isn't just it could be an intimate situation it could be a social situation and and people start to get frustrated with me when they know i'm nice they know i'm a good person but they they get frustrated that they don't have access
1: absolutely
0: and, you know so that's again why some nines will think they're fives I'll, but like you were saying, though, I think that the groundedness in the being of nine, I used to say it becomes the invitation for all the other planes to come in for a landing. We made a successful landing here. You guys could come on in. Right. And, and so that's true. Mm-hmm. I find that when nines are in their power, everybody feels more at ease, more peaceful. They feel more permission to speak their truth. They feel that they're not going to be judged. She so said that loving... Quality. It isn't like loving, like coming over and rushing toward and give a hug or something. It's a love that's expressed in allowing and spaciousness and appreciation for however the other person needs to show up at that time.
1: Right. Uh, What's interesting about that is sometimes with nines, uh, because of that loving, calming approachability, Uh, people can have very disparate views on something, and one will come in and talk to the nine and feel totally heard and understood, and then the person on the other end of that particular, you know, uh, disconnect will come in and talk to the nine and also feel very heard and understood, which means agreed with. And then the nine has two people who don't agree with each other they're both saying but you agree with me and watching nines trying to, to deal with that situation is very interesting because while nines can do conflict we know that they don't love conflict
0: you don't love it, right it's not, I will avoid it if I can and it's one of the quickest the two things that tend to trigger me into going to that inner world are conflict and expressions of anger Sometimes in my own expression of anger, my fear that I'm going to do that will make me uh, go into my turtle shell. But I think that, um, like you said, I have a real gift for receiving people. And so uh, my colleague Helen Palmer called this type the mediator because of that wonderful capacity to see the different points of view and help people come to some bigger consensus in some sense the the nine is always aware of that third element there's yes yes and no but there's something else there and that's what i'm always looking for right right and that's that's a gift
1: and i've i've seen nines do that so very well uh, because it seems like they will enter into it without an agenda or if there is an agenda it's to get to peace you know, yes. to get to get everyone to a place where they can agree and you can move on.
0: So yes, some sort of consensus from which we can work.
1: Exactly. So there's a setting aside of their own personal agenda, um, but that brings us to another point about nine. In the setting aside of their own personal agenda, isn't there sometimes a um, a possibility of them getting a little lost to what they really want?
0: Yes, like that's the, two. the thing. Mm-hmm. If, if we spending two, ex, like the two, exactly. Mm-hmm. If I'm spending so much time hearing and receiving other people's point of view, I get so, my receptivity becomes a passivity. Right. And those two are different things. Correct. Receptivity has a certain activation in it. Passivity, there's a kind of resignation. And if that goes on too long, I lose the sense of my priority. What's important for me in this situation? What's my vote here? And it isn't that I'm being stubborn or something. I honestly don't know. I get into a place where people ask me, well, what do you want? And, and I kind of freeze. I, I'm not sure. Well, I, I'm not sure. Give me a little time. And and sometimes it might take nights, uh, uh, some time to sit with themselves and get back in touch with what that is because the natural tendency is to create kind of holding container for all these different elements coming together in a better way. But then I'm so busy being that container, I don't put myself in it.
1: Exactly. Well, Rush, you know I know quite a bit about Type 9, but we'll just have to have our listeners tune back in to hear why I know so much about Type 9. That's all for today, but I want all of you to come back and join us, and we'll be having Russ on again as a guest, where we'll learn a little more about Russ Hudson, the man. Looking forward to talking to all of you again. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Exploring the Enneagram with Dr. E. Please join Dr. Deborah Egerton again next Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a good week.